Welcome in, everyone, to the midweek edition of the Bills Beat Podcast here. However, you are joining us, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. And the Bills, just one more game to go before their bye week when they uh, take on the New York Jets on the road, a similarly struggling team. The Bills, of course, have lost their last four games. The Jets have lost three in a row. Something has to give. Sam Darnold won't be playing in this game, reportedly, by uh, our guy Manish Mehta. Um, and so that lines up the possibility of Josh McCown going up against Nathan Peterman. But Josh Allen is lingering. And he's kind of uh, going through the paces of practice. The only bits that we get to see are him going through individual drills and throwing to the receivers, to which he gets the large majority that is normally dictated for the starter. So, the one thing we don't know is how many team drill reps he's getting, which is what really matters at the end of the day. But, Matthew Fairburn... There might actually be a rookie quarterback in this game if uh, all goes well for the Bills. And I, I have to say, I I would be, if you, you would have asked me this time last week whether or not Josh Allen would be playing against the Jets, I would probably say, yeah, they probably should, probably will wait after the bye week. But, hey, they've, uh, this thing has uh, quickened rapidly. Yeah, he still has the brace on and he's still not, completely letting it rip necessarily the way he typically does although in that individual portion isn't always when he's going to be letting it rip anyways he's loosening up his arm and you know kind of you know kicking off whatever rust he has from the day before so I haven't really bought into this idea that they need to sit him because they have the bye week coming up Mm -hmm. I don't think that matters at all if he's ready to play I think you play him I think every game counts and every rep counts. You know, all of it is part of the evaluation. All of it is part of his development. And so if he's 100%, I don't think you baby him and hold him out. I mean, I think this team desperately needs a shot in the arm heading into the bye week. And right now they're kind of skidding into the bye week. And if they get Josh Allen back, it gives them a better chance to beat the Jets, and it certainly gives a little bit of life to the offense. I think oh, yeah. Just a, a spark. I think it's obvious to anybody who watches that these guys play a bit more inspired on the offensive line as at wide receiver when Allen is in there. I mean, you see the way they talk about this kid and everything else. So to me, if he's 90 to 100%, and the risk of injury isn't really re-injury isn't really there. I don't know what you're you're gaining by holding him out. I, you don't force him in if, if he's sixty or seventy percent, but I, I just don't see the big appeal to oh give him that extra two weeks. No, let him play this game, and if he's a little bit sore after, then he has two weeks, and then you have a, a whole new game's worth of film to look at and say. All right, over the bye week, let's let's figure some things out and get this thing started on the right track. I guess the main concern would be where is he in terms of how healthy that arm is? Because yeah, I think I think you're 
absolutely right. If he's 100%, then sure, put him out there. But as you also alluded to, he hasn't really ramped it up too much. And that's not like him. I mean, even in these snippets of practice that we see, the, the routes versus air, he doesn't usually take caution um, too often. He, he lets it rip. And he hasn't been doing that as much. You know, for instance, today we just got back from the practice field. You saw him lofting the ball quite a bit to his receivers. Um, he was not on the same page on a couple of different things. And the times he did kind of let it rip that um, when they were going one-on-one against defensive backs, you know, he was, uh, wasn't exactly the most accurate but I guess that's kind of him, too. I mean, he's not exactly the most accurate guy. I think the more troubling thing is there was a lot of him messing with the brace. Like, he's not... Something was was up with it, whether it be the injury itself, who knows, whether it's just the brace and the way it's kind of like rubbing against him, or or just something was, was off with him today uh, during practice. And I don't know, if, if there is a um, concern that he's not going to be able to be him out there because 90% Josh Allen is as good as him. 75 to 80% Josh Allen is him holding things back a little bit. And I don't know that they would necessarily be doing themselves any good by putting a holding himself back a little bit Josh Allen on the field against the Jets just because... uh, just for the sake of getting him out there in the game. They need to be extremely careful here because I guess there's not a huge risk of him like getting uh, getting that same injury, but I do think it runs the risk of if he's not doing the things that he always used to and then it gets down to crunch time and then he starts to really try to let it rip and then maybe that causes a, a source of re-injury. That's, that's the part of it to me that would worry the, me the most about just putting him out here, putting him out there less than 90. So uh, this is a very difficult decision for them. And if, I don't know, if you would have asked me Tuesday of this week, whether or not he would be playing, I'd probably say, probably not. You know, I that it doesn't seem it seemed like it would be too quick of a track. But today, after watching two days of practice where he dominated individual drills, I think there's a shot. I really do, and I would not be shocked if if he is uh, the man under center against the Jets on Sunday. The only hesitation I have is I don't know if he can play with that brace on i mean yeah he was monkeying around with it like i said well and i don't know that i've ever seen a quarterback do that maybe i'm just i just i'm not thinking of one off the top of my head but have you ever seen a quarterback throw with a brace like that on their right arm i mean no i i I just don't think i can't think of too many examples of that it's not a huge brace but it's a pretty big brace Mm -hmm. and it's your throwing arm if this were on his non-throwing arm, he might have played last week. I oh, mean, yeah. You know, or two yeah. weeks ago. So that's not so much the issue as the fact that it's on his, his throwing arm and it might be a little bit awkward to throw with. Now, maybe it's just a thing that they have on in practice and he can take it off for the game. I don't know. Uh, or maybe it's something he's going to have to learn to throw with for a little while here. 
but that's the only hesitation I have. And obviously we don't see team drills. We don't get a full picture of what they're trying to put in. I don't think they're sitting here trying to hide who the starter is by any means. I just think they're trying to figure out exactly where he is. Yeah. As we, you know, we throw out these terms like if he's 90%. Quite frankly, this isn't, you know, like a, a video game where we can actually see if he's 89, 90%. You know, he, Odds are he'll try to push he, that right. he is. Yeah, right. you're, you're guessing a little bit as a, as a, you know, trainer and everything else. But, you know, it is, you know, a case where, you know, he's going to have to be a little bit honest about it and they're going to have to, you know, really figure out exactly where that elbow is. And if he is not quite himself, then you're probably not doing him any favors throwing him out there. But if he's out, if he's pretty much ready, then I, I just don't see the big deal. Because I, I think I, I certainly don't subscribe to the idea that they need to leave him on the bench even when he's healthy because the team around him is so bad because yeah, it's a little right. late for that. And uh, I think getting him on the field has a lot of benefit both in terms of evaluating him and developing him. You ha- also have to think about who he is because and what he has done in the past i remember wyoming i think he was up against air force air force is the game he got hurt right and And he came out in the second half he initially he initially injured it and then tried to gut it out and then then he was done he did one series in the second half yeah and then again even with for this as a small sample Against uh, against the Texans, when he injured it, the very next play he came out. He's like, "No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good." And then, like, <laughs> it was like a the, the ball blew up from his from his arm. So there is that fear that Josh Allen always wants to be out on the field because that's 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 who he is. That's why they love him as much as they do. But there also is valor and in, in honesty and being honest with yourself and trying to think about what will benefit the team and him for the long run as opposed to just getting out on the field just just because I'm close. There's uh, discretion needs to be uh, examined here. And if they do this too early and he starts to really let it rip and does some damage to himself, like... uh, a week or two before before he can uh he might be fully healthy then there's the there's a legitimate uh, argument against that i mean i think back to when he initially injured it and basically every time we give a josh allen update the uh the pro football doc on twitter david chow continues to say not expecting him back anytime soon. That is a six-week injury, four to six-week injury. That it would be putting him out there too soon. And of course, he doesn't have all of the medicals, and he's not. He doesn't have he was also the X-rays. Kicked out of the league. I yeah, think. he was kicked out of the league as well. <laughs> no, but he knows a lot, and he's right. Pretty spot on with uh, diagnosing injuries on TV. It's pretty impressive um, and kind of cool to to see. It's one of those injuries that I think, again, I, I don't know the, I'm not a doctor and I don't know the specifics of elbow ligaments and things like that, but those are arguably the most important ligaments in his body. Yes. Um, you know, because. For his purposes. For his purposes. I mean, obviously, 
they don't want him tearing his ACL or anything like that either. But, you know, the way he wins is by, you know, throwing with incredible velocity. And you don't want to lose any of that in the long term because you're, you know, trying to get him out there too soon and doing long-term damage. I don't know what the risk of that is. That's what, that's where the doctors have to come in. And that's why their opinion will be more important than Josh's this weekend, because they're going to be able to test and, you know, run MRIs and whatever else on that elbow to see exactly where it is and exactly how healed it is before they say, okay, the risk of re-injury isn't really there. To me, I think for the most part, the risk of re-injury here, and again, I, I don't know for sure, but you're just hoping he doesn't get hit there again. Um, yeah, I also worry about elbow fatigue. Probably, but if he's out there throwing 100 passes a day and bouncing back the next day and doing it again, then I'm thinking he his elbow is feeling pretty good. He's The difference between baseball and football, because you know, you've heard this referenced as a baseball injury, he's not throwing curveballs and sliders, right. you know, and... That's what will destroy your li- the ligaments in your elbow. That's what puts a ton of strain on the ligaments in your elbow. Mm-hmm. And also, throwing a baseball, I think, is just worse for your arm in general or, or more straining on your arm mm-hmm. because uh, you're really not throwing anything. It's so light. Um, and that's what I think, you know, you wouldn't send a guy out. Like, if this happened to Clayton Kershaw... He would be out for a long time, I would think. Um, but You'd also like to think that Clayton Kershaw wouldn't get his elbow clipped between two defenders. No, that would be <laughs> fascinating if he did. That would be a nice twist to baseball. Sure. If, you know, batters were able to run out there with their bats and take hacks at guys' arms or something. <laughs> but So that's why it's a weird, you know, he didn't injure it because he twisted it weird. or uh, That's why I, I don't know that you... Um, stress out too much the way you would a pitcher just because you know if he get you can't really control whether he gets hit there again and you know it might not matter if the ligament's 100 percent or 80 percent if he gets hit there again it might you know mess it up because the way he got hit was kind of fluky to begin with however and just thought of this i i don't know why i just thought of this but it's a very very stern fact of life here the, the risk of re-injury is all about getting hit. The offensive line arguably had their worst performance of the season. Not arguably. They did have their worst performance of the season against the Chicago Bears. and well, yeah, so, they, so much so that they, they, they replaced Vlad Dukas with Wyatt Teller at left guard. But still, Russell Bodine, John Miller, and Jordan Mills are all saying, Hello, we're still here. Deion Dawkins had a completely awful game. Maybe the worst of his career against the Bears. He's still going to be out there. And then Wyatt Teller is a rookie making his first start. So, listen, W.W. Teller is ready to lock things down. I think William Wyatt Teller. But here's the thing. The offensive line, and this is why the bye week point, I don't know, just kind of, again, if he needs it, he needs it. If he's not ready, he's not ready. But the offensive line isn't going to get better over the bye week. And so if the – injury risk is you know him getting hit that's going to be there after the bye week too and the offensive line problems are going to be there after the bye week too so yeah but the combination of the offensive line plus his his uh, elbow getting a little bit more time to recuperate 
I, I think is is the additional draw. Again, I think the main thing here is not knowing what the benefit is of two weeks. How, you know, sure, how much right. more will yeah, it? That's fair. How much more will it heal, and how much less injury risk will there be in two weeks than there is uh, this week? So, part of this is probably just. I'm sick of watching Nathan Peterman and you know the the games feel truly meaningless when he's out there and there at least feels like there's some meaning when Josh Allen is on the field that yep. there's something to like we talked about it last week I can't sit here and pile on the offense and you know you can come up with so many statistics about how bad they are the worst of all time and people want to say McDermott and Bean need to be fired because it's an embarrassment for fielding the worst offense of all time. But I can't sit here and really necessarily care because it's not like this is the you know the offense they want on the field is the Josh Allen one, mm-hmm. which isn't great either. But at least then you're evaluating. It's notably better than it's, what they have. It's yeah, it's not drastically better, but I think it's better yes. and it is a better picture of what they want it to be. You know, burying guys for having an awful offense with their third-string quarterback, I mean, is it, it's just I understand it, and I, I get why people are frustrated with the offense because it's completely unwatchable. But the reason it's unwatchable more than anything is because the quarterback of the future isn't on the field. Right. And I think that's probably why there's a little bit of angst to get him out there. I think they're anxious to get him out there I don't think they're scared to put him out there behind this offensive line I think they're just gonna you know play it smart with the elbow but it's really the only you know I wrote this after the game the only thing that can salvage this season is Josh Allen playing and that's not to say they're gonna win seven games in a row and make the playoffs that's not what I mean by salvaging the season I mean it's the only thing that can make the rest of the season worth watching. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that could maybe get clocking the draft to sit in front of his television instead of listening on the radio and catching lots of lobsters. You know, I mean, well, he might be home a lot more now, right? With young clocking the draft yes. entering the world, but clocking the draft junior, <laughs> if you will. So, I, I and for other fans out there, like if people are checked out and not wanting to watch, I don't blame you. It's Josh Allen is the only thing really worth watching. Yeah, the defense is good, but you know you know the future of this franchise hinges on Josh Allen and how he plays and how he develops and how they evaluate him and what they're able to surround him with in the offseason. So when Peterman's out there, it just feels meaningless. Right, and Peterman, after going back and watching it, I know the general consensus out there from fans was, oh, the first two weren't his fault. They were. I mean, the first one was very much his fault because what he should have done is Terrell Pryor hit his break. He had two yards of separation from the defender, and then Peterman waited an extra three steps in order to throw it to Pryor. That that throw should have been out of his arm, and that would have been a completion, but he didn't do it. He threw it late. The defender got there. Uh, Pryor didn't do him any favors, obviously, but that's on Peterman. The, the timing should have been there. And then the second one, I mean, he had a clean pocket. He should have recognized that, the, that Jason Kroom didn't properly set a uh, set a legal screen and didn't um, didn't I guess keep the defender from getting right to Zay Jones should have recognized the fact that Zay Jones had a guy draped all over him threw it there anyway 
threw it all the way behind him to where he had to reach back for it. And then in doing so, Zay Jones probably should have let it skip on the turf, but he's trying to catch a ball. And because he's not getting a lot of them <laughs> thrown to him. And then he, he uh, you know, tips it up, and it's an easy pick for a touchdown. But those are both Peterman's fault, as was the third one. So I think more than anything, um, I those, a couple, you know, those were mistakes by Peterman coupled with bad breaks that yeah. resulted in bad um, but mistakes nonetheless. Bad results, and they're on a different day. Maybe those just hit the turf, and you know they're not a big issue. But hang on, hang I on think, a minute. There is no different day where those don't hit the turf. Yeah, for Nathan especially Peterman. with especially with Nathan Peterman. But <laughs> what I think with Nathan Peterman, what that game illustrated more than anything, is I, I don't I can't think of any better way to say it than it illustrates just how bad he is because. The other games, the Charger game and, you know, the the Ravens game to an extent and the Houston game is, you know, short bursts of playing time, a half or less, where disaster happens. And some of it's not his fault. Everything seems to not go his way. And you get this small sample size of just, you know, horrible things happening. Mm-hmm. And... It makes him look probably worse than he is in those particular instances because, you know, you don't have a large sample size. He threw the ball 49 times and played the entire game against the Bears. And so you got a large sample size to see just how there's not a whole lot that he he does well back there. And it was a tough defense. You know, the Bears are playing well on defense. They were without Khalil Mack, though. And there's just so much that he he's so far off from where he needs to be, even from watching Derek Anderson, you know, the, the week before. So I think that was probably the most damning part of that game was just seeing him throw 49 passes and for fewer than 200 yards Yep, is – Awful. Yards per attempt of 3.86 on almost 50 passes, which means anytime he ramped it up and tried to throw it, like past eight yards or so, it wasn't really going all that well for him. I mean, yeah, the a, accuracy a couple, wasn't there. A couple of the... times it did for him, but then, uh, but he mainly focused on the short stuff, and the Bears played the short stuff. So they didn't have much opportunity for yards after catch, and he didn't necessarily give the receivers much opportunity for yards after the catch. So, I mean, and by the way, that 189, that has that Jason Kroom long pass in there. I forget how long that was, like 30-something yards maybe? It was, it was a long play. And that made up of, what is this, a sixth of, of his passing yeah. yards? So, on, on almost 50 attempts? And again, He's I mean, bad. you know, we, we're we not here to pile on Nathan Peterman just because it's, I think it's a moot point at this point. Right, and yeah. I, I, everybody knows that he's not, you know, worthy of being a, even a backup quarterback in this league. The re, only reason he's on the team is because, you know, odd circumstances and, you know, obviously uh, Sean McDermott, you know, having a, a bit of a, an infatuation with him before the season. But I think weird circumstances since then have kept him on the roster. The fact that he knows the offense, they probably would have had to sign him last week anyways. So, I mean, 
a lot of it's not his fault, but um, he is just not very good. We have some incredible breaking news. No, don't look at your laptop. I just want to tell you. It's not, like, incredible, incredible, but it's incredible for our podcast purposes. Joe Marino, who uh, writes for... Let's see the uh, the, the draft, draft network. Yeah. yeah, the the new draft network that it's pretty awesome. I, I think they're they're doing a really nice job with it. Um, he has said Doug Whaley has been named the senior vice president of football operations of the XFL. Wow! Yeah, dig it. He'll be reporting directly to Commissioner and CEO Oliver Luck. How about that? Did not know Oliver Luck was the commissioner and CEO of the XFL. I did know that. But Doug Whaley makes his triumphant return to the XFL. That feels fitting. I mean... Feels very appropriate. The senior vice president of football operations. I wonder what he's do- What he does in that role. Yeah, especially for the entire XFL. Right. <laughs> like, he got hired by the league. Unless he's just... But he was also running a bowl game. Compiling talent? Wasn't he? Wasn't he supposed to be the NFLPA bowl like guy, like the Phil Savage of the NFLPA bowl? Well, he's moving on up now. But Doug Whaley is going to... That's an RT. To the XFL. That's incredible. I dig it. Yeah, I'm I'm all the way in. I I might give it a watch now, just for that. Wales. Wales uh, Wales is back. He's back in the professional football realm, kind of. Semi-professional. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's at least noteworthy. So tell your friends, Doug Whaley is in the XFL. Pretty sweet. All right, back to Josh Allen. I, I, at this point, I just feel bad about talking about Nathan Peterman um, because he's a practice squad quarterback that's being forced into the lineup because of necessity. So... With Josh Allen in this game, if he does indeed play, knowing what he is and what the elbow might prevent him from doing, are they somehow a semi-favorite for this game? Or does the fact that Josh McCown is playing almost make the Jets more of a favorite? Uh, as opposed to if Darnold, who is a lot more, I suppose, turnover-friendly, um, would be out there. So what's what's the read on this game? Let's say if Josh Allen's playing. Because if Josh Allen doesn't play, obviously, we would both pick the Jets to win. Because that would mean Nathan Peterman's play. But if Josh Allen is playing, even at 85 90 95% with the elbow... Are the Bills good enough to beat the Jets? They do, with Josh Allen, offer the potential of scoring double-digit points, which is something they have not done since the Houston game. So That's true. Are they... Are I think they the Jets in- are more dangerous with Josh McCown in the present, and the Bills are more dangerous with Josh Allen in the present. So we've got a dangerous game coming. And so it could be that could be the matchup, and that would certainly make this an interesting bet. Isn't it like an eight 
ish point spread. I, I saw seven and a half to start. I haven't checked it, checked it since. I think it's off the board in some places just because of the injuries at quarterback sure. and not knowing what's going to happen. But this is um, definitely a, one of those games that it means a lot to the Jets because Todd Bowles is kind of fighting for his job. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that beating the Bills, you know, he can point back at the end of the year and say, guys, you don't fire me. I beat the Bills. But he's going to have a hard time saying don't fire me if he lost to the Bills. True. So he won't get fired on Monday if they lose, but that could be one of the things that, that gets him pushed out the But door. they do have the same bye week as the Bills. So, I mean, the the time to usually fire a coach is right at the bye week. Could be. I haven't gotten the sense from people there that they're going to fire him you know, in season, but it could happen. I uh, mean, if Nathan Peterman plays this game and, and the Jets lose to the Bills, he's he's that, toast. Yeah, you might. He's you, can, you kind of might have to do it at that <laughs> point. You can't let Nathan Peterman beat you. But how much Everybody does Josh Allen that. change the complexion of this game and the trajectory of the offense? Because it, even right before his injury, it's not as though the Bills were moving the ball particularly well, either in the the Texans game right before he got injured or the Titans game the week before that it's it they really struggled to move the football in both those games and even the Packers game too same same difference uh, really the the last time the Bills have moved the ball effectively through the air was against the Minnesota Vikings and which was all the way back in what week 3 yeah there so how much does he really change things for this Bills offense, especially with what they've got at the moment? I mean, I'm sure it, it does a little bit, but if he's not throwing his passes full bore, or if he is thinking to himself, well, I can't run it as much because I don't want my elbow to get hit this time around and risk re-injury, or if the coaches are telling him, hey, don't run because we we need you back there and you know we don't want you putting yourself in jeopardy of re-injuring that thing so how much and that was the most i guess efficient part of his game to this point him running how much does he really change the complexion of this game i don't think it's dramatically less turnovers i think is the answer fewer turnovers grammar matters uh podcasting some people say less or fewer. I think people have become more lenient, but it's mm-hmm. always been a pet peeve of mine. If well, you can count it, it's fewer. If you can't, it's less. You have less confidence. I can't count you the... You have fewer turnovers. I can't count the number of turnovers that Nathan Peterman has that had. Is, That's fair, so I'm going <laughs> to let this slide. I think what it changes is it gives a bit of a boost in confidence and energy to this team because... Mm. These guys play with no life when Nathan Peterman is out there, and who could blame them? Um, I think maybe it, it helps LaShawn McCoy, who has 24 yards on 24 carries in his last three games, and maybe you know they can move the ball a little bit better and the defense feels like, all right, we have a chance to win this game, so let's, you know, let's buck up here, you know? So... That's the only way I see it drastically changing things. It certainly makes it a hell of a lot more interesting to watch. But do I think they win with Josh Allen in there? 
I don't know. It's it's a tricky it's a tricky one. I, the Jets aren't very good, but they do play good defense, and so this isn't going to be an easy defense to move the ball on, regardless of who's back there uh, at quarterback. I see. Yeah, the the Jets. This is a. They're kind of similar in the way that the defense is probably going to have to lead the way for them. This might be a a rather boring game, but the fact that Josh Allen could be out there makes it watchable because Bills fans have been deprived of him for the last few weeks now and have basically been in the quarterback equivalent of hell watching Derek Anderson and Nathan Peterman turn the ball over. Perderman. (laughs) Perderman. Is that his new name? Nathan Perderman turned the ball over four times. A game. So, can Allen do enough? Will they give him enough of a uh, a game plan, a throwing game plan, to do enough, especially considering that he is coming off the elbow injury? Will we ever get to see Allen Darnold? Maybe. Who knows? I feel like we've been robbed. How far in advance, uh, how many weeks do we have between now and the, uh, the Jets game here? That would be December, what, like, 10th that weekend December 11th there's a shot he'll be back it's he's got a we'll have to ask Manish Manish will know yeah um but I think it'll be a couple week injury for Sam Darnold but who knows that's all the bye week there's a lot of football in between now and then for either one of these guys to hurt themselves again behind their terrible offensive line so Mm -hmm. it's it's an interesting it would have been an interesting matchup and now it's potentially Still potentially McCown versus Peterman. It doesn't look <laughs> like it will be McCown versus Derek Anderson, which would have been interesting in its own right. Two old man quarterbacks, journeymen, you know, duking it out on the field. But now it looks like we may get um, Allen versus McCown, which just doesn't have the same sizzle as Allen versus Darnold. So, or certainly not the same sizzle as Anderson versus McCown. No. Okay. That was the the real matchup, I think, at the beginning of the season that everybody was anticipating. Yes. I thought this game was going to get flexed to Sunday Night Football, but then you know, Derek Anderson hasn't been able to get out there to practice right, yet. And yeah, they, right. And, of course, you know, they got passed over. Of course. So, of course, Derek Anderson. I one of my favorite things. Uh, from the season of practice occurred on Wednesday. He was out there for the first time. He was out there stretching. He has not practiced, technically speaking. Still in concussion protocol. Didn't practice again today. But he was going through the stretching. And they do this thing where they fling their legs up in the air just to, you know, just to get the the blood moving and to get them stretched out in, in that certain way. Derek Anderson, while well, guys are just fling their feet in the air, like Trey, Trey White is so flexible, he can fling it basically his knee basically to his forehead. Derek Anderson, you know, just gently putting putting the knee up, just like, yep, making a million bucks. <laughs> this is me. I wish you guys could see me right now. It's but he he literally lifted his his leg up in the air, basically. Maybe a foot. <laughs> so it's it not, is it wasn't somewhat that much. entertaining to watch how different guys stretch because oh yeah, many of them do not stretch uh, quite so seriously, which is baffling to me. 
Right. It's like Ray Ray McLeod spends more time dancing than he does stretching. It's borderline neglectful. I will say I'm always shocked by the flexibility that John Miller has. Uh, Yeah. He's quite a good, quite a good stretcher. The analysis that you get nowhere else. (laughs) John Miller, when, when he gets beat for a sack on Sunday, at least remember that he's a great stretcher. And that he could probably do a split. (laughs) He can get he can get his his uh, leg pretty high over his head if he wants to. So wow. yeah, I I think it is a weird thing when guys don't take that very seriously because it's a pretty easy way to hurt yourself. Yeah, and one of the now Derek Anderson wasn't practicing, so right, he right. clearly didn't give a damn. Right, of course, still making a million bucks either way. Um, so the one thing that always kind of made sense to me after they finally started doing it when Sean McDermott got here stretching after practice that's a that's a pretty novel idea that hadn't been done here in any of the years that I that I cover the bills so uh, yeah it was a that was a, a nice addition if guys take it seriously enough so yeah stretching stretching matters as well and, and team it, stretching it, same same um all right <laughs> what was it on hard knocks there was a guy uh I, I'm pretty sure there's a guy who, like, said stretch, stretching uh, was for wimps or something. Oh, really? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm going to play it. Bob Wiley. Oh, this guy. Stretch is way overrated. Did you know World War One, World War Two? all those guys that fought in that war? Right? They did push-ups, jumping jacks, sit-ups, climbed the rope, and ran. But none of this fancy shit, okay? <laughs> right? And they won two world wars. Two world wars by doing jumping jacks, push-ups, and sit-ups. Two world wars. All right, you think they were worried when they're running across Normandy about fucking stretching? Are you kidding me? Jeez. Oh, all right. All right. Let me see. Give me my rubber band so I can stretch to run across that fucking beat. You gotta be. All right. That's good stuff. That's uh, courtesy of HBO. There. Yeah, I guess technically we're not supposed to play that. Yeah, well, as I mean, long as, long as, as, nobody, you, as, as long as nobody tells on us. Well, as long as you courtesy it. Oh, that guy's a treat. Wow. Um, he's out <laughs> on the... You, and if you look at him, he's certainly not a guy... He's not a picture of fitness. Out on the idea of yoga. Yeah, um, he's... Bob Wiley. He, but he raises a good point, you know? No, he doesn't. You won two world wars without stretching. No, that's not a good point. That is flawed logic in every sense of the way. Because right. I assume the guys they beat in World War II were not stretching either. Or maybe they were. Who knows? You know what? You know what we should do? We should come back for the for the uh, bye week. We'll watch tomorrow. And we'll give a detailed analysis of who takes stretching seriously yes. of, on the Buffalo Bills roster. Because that's all we get to see on Fridays. So That's true. Why the hell not? Got to do something productive. Not going to take attendance when they're just going to send out the injury report later that day. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get some detailed stretch analysis. All right, prediction time um, for this game. There are two different predictions because you have to factor in: is Josh Allen going to play versus is he not going to play? Um, I assume the answer is going to be the same for both of us if Josh Allen does not play, and that is a Jets victory over a Nathan Peterman-led roster. Can we agree on that? Yes. Okay. All right. So the real question is if the Jets can beat the Bills on a Josh Allen-led team. I'll let you lead this off, 
considering, uh, you know, this is this is kind of a, a tricky matter here because we don't really know what they're going to get out of Josh Allen if he does indeed play. Yeah, I think I'm still picking the Jets to win this game. Uh, the Jets had quite a, quite a game against the Bills at the Meadowlands last year, and I just think with Todd Bowles, Bowles, whatever. It's not Bowles. Whatever you want to call him. <laughs> Todd Bowles. With Perter, Todd Bowles. It's the Pertermern, Pertermern Bowl, Bowles. Bowles Bowl. <laughs> Whenever a guy is fighting for his job like this, I still think he has some support in that room from, you know, reading various things down there and hearing from people down there. So I think you know, they're going to come out and they're going to play solid defense. And so regardless of who's in at quarterback, it's hard to trust this Bills offense. Yeah. The spread, you can't even – I don't even think there is a, a real spread right now without knowing who the quarterbacks are. But I think the Bills play a much more competitive game. They just haven't been getting the turnovers on defense, and they've been creating them themselves on offense. And I don't know if that's going to change this weekend. So yeah. I'll, give, uh, I'll give the Jets – the uh, the W in this one, yeah, I think I'm I'm on the same wavelength as you. I, I think um, this Bills team, on offense in particular, the, the offensive line was just horrific last week. The running game hasn't been able to do a thing, even with Josh Allen back there giving them a little bit of hope. Uh, I just don't know that 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 attack with who they have there and trying to put points on the board is good enough to beat a Josh McCown-led offense. And that's not to say that Josh Allen is worse than Josh McCown, but there are a lot of different factors to that to uh, calculate in this. And so for, for me, I think I'm going with the Jets. This is a, a home game for them. They're ticked off, whereas the Bills, it seems like they're ticked off, but it also seems like losing has just kind of crushed them over this last month and uh and i don't know if that same sort of push inner push is there as the jets were because i think the bills probably understand that the playoffs aren't going to happen this year whereas the jets are still holding on to that that uh illusion even though it's probably not going to happen so yeah i'll take i'll take the jets in this game and We'll see if uh, Josh Allen can make this uh, look a little bit better. We'll, we'll we'll see. It's hey, if he plays, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, no... we'll, we'll at least have something to talk about, right? And fans will have something to argue about, which they seem to find something to argue about, regardless. But... Yeah, it's this team is just the gift that keeps on giving because there there's always something. I think the the one week where I just felt like, well, we've got nothing is the Colts game. When we were leading into that one, because Derek Anderson was making making his start, and it's like, well, we know where we're getting out of Derek Anderson, and then, uh, yeah, then then we got exactly what what we got, <laughs> thirty yeah. seven to five. So, yeah, I mean, it's been that type of season in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, I think Josh Allen would be a breath of fresh air for everyone in the building, out, you know, outside the building, fans, media. I think everybody's. Ready to watch something that has some meaning. Yep. As we've discussed, existentially, none of this really has any meaning, but <laughs> it would have slightly more if Josh Allen were under center. Stretching matters. Stretching does not matter. I'm with 
I'm with just Cleveland Browns offensive line coach, whatever the hell his name Bob is. Wiley. Bob Wiley. Yeah. That uh, man is a picture of fitness. I'm, so I'm 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 on team stretching. All right, so we will talk to you next from uh, MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, which and we'll be uh, we'll be there podcasting a lot earlier in the day, or I guess in this this term a lot later in the day because remember last last year we were there until like four in the morning podcasting that thing. Yeah, it was Thursday night football, yeah. which is screw Thursday night football. Not a buy. Yeah, I'm out. Good on Thursday, Thursday night, night football. football game tonight between the Panthers and Steelers, mm. but you wonder if it would just be a better game if it were on Sunday. Yeah. Probably uh, would. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with but that. But yeah, no thir- Thursday night football, not great. Nope. And in general, MetLife Stadium, one of the worst in the league, in my opinion. Wow. Very sterile. Not a huge fan. I nice feel, press box, but it's a very lame environment. I feel that way about the Brown Stadium. It's very sterile to me. I mean, the, the fans are great, but the the, the I guess... It's very cookie cutter the way that it looks, but that's that's just my opinion. All right, so that's going to do it for us, and uh, we will talk to you on Sunday after the game, seeing if perhaps Josh Allen will have played in his first game since the loss to the Houston Texans. We'll see everybody. We will talk to you on Sunday, and the streak is over. <laughs>